All right, yeah, welcome to uh, Narcast episode 8, live from Parma. It is. Joe's from, place. Live from Parma. <laughs> We're here in the, in, the, in, the, in the thick of it. <laughs> Doing our uh, Ozzy Osbourne tribute episode. Ultimate Every, Ozzy. Yes, absolutely. Um, all the way from Sabbath yep. up until now, even though now you're not... I think at a certain point it's probably going to be us just shitting on the guy's career. Yeah, after a certain pretty much. Point. Yeah, we're going to go up probably up until about uh, up until about no more tears and a little bit of osmosis. That's yes. just going to be pretty much a shit fest on <laughs> the rest of this guy's life. So yeah, it's going to be us jerking off about him for all the way up until about ninety four, ninety five, and then us shitting on him for the rest. No, but I mean, but honestly, I mean, despite you know the, the trajectory of a musical metal cultural icon. Though I think we can all mm-hmm. agree. I mean, despite uh, Ozzy's managed to stay relevant for good, for better or worse uh, into the better part of the 21st century, so we're going on what four decades of this guy being pretty much an icon in music. Yeah, from a pretty humble beginning. You can even argue five if yeah. you if you want to go from the beginning. But right. before we get into this, I want to get into anything that you've been kind of up to lately. I know you're still recording with. Exorcism. Yeah, we just finished. Uh, we had two songs to be put out um, on tape. Uh, we're working with uh, Redefining Darkness Records. Thomas is going to put it out on tape. Um, and Bandcamp will be up soon. We're working on everything. So tracks are really cool. It was a really cool, fun uh, recording experience. Really smooth. Jim from Audio Alchemy is great. He's a great guy. Um, it was awesome. You know, we're excited to hear it, put it out. Uh, we'll do something, too. We'll have a release here put it up on the page and give people kind of a, the 20 people that we talk to all the time on the page a little VIP uh, well I know the tracks you sent me were sick I mean I'm not just saying that because we're brothers but it's like I mean it's probably the filthiest shit to come out of Cleveland that I've heard in a long time um, great pro- I love the production on it Parma I mean, knows filth so yes there's one thing we do know uh, other than that, honestly, it's been a weird thing with me lately. I've been listening to a lot of, uh, I started listening, for shits and giggles, I started putting on, like, the Burzum Ambient Prison album, <laughs> and, like, I was, like, four tracks in, I was talking to Mike about it, I was, like, four tracks in, and I'm, I'm still into this, I'm, like, still listening to it, <laughs> there's, like, this horn, he does, like, this, he had this, this sound effect that was, like, I think it was a trumpet, or like an oboe, but it sounds like something my son plays with. It's so, it's like... So, Is it a recorder? I'm listening to, I guess, a lot, a lot of Nazi prison ambient music. Uh, a lot of Judas Iscariot. Uh, Guar, listening to Guar a lot lately. Uh, Scum Dogs and Hello. Early Guar is fun. Exhumer, Motorhead. Uh, a lot of Deep Purple. Some Postmortem. Man, you're all over the place. Oh, well, yeah, I'm a little. A lot of Wendy O. Williams, uh, the Commander of Chaos album. Nice. Which I like a lot. I think that's really great. I love that when when Wendy started to really break away, Plasmatics went a little bit more metal. A lot of hooks. Yeah. What about you. I you know it's funny every week when we decide that we're going to do something, I I always go back and kind of delve into whatever band or style you know U.S. death metal. I was listening to all kinds of old school. Mm death metal and kind of re-familiarizing myself yeah, with, with a that, lot of that stuff. Yeah, we kind of had it. There's a lot of stuff to really... Yeah, into. especially with Danzig. 
I went back to like the later albums after, like from Black Acid Devil on. I wanted to kind of delve into those because I, I hadn't listened to them much. Same with Ozzy. I tried to listen to everything yeah, <laughs> after too. Osmosis, and we'll get to that. Right. But did, did uh, not go as well as I thought. <laughs> no. And it, it's weird. You know, I always get kind of. I go down the rabbit hole. You know, you start listening to one thing, especially with Ozzy, and then, you know, there's certain musicians, and you listen to other bands and other bands. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I've been all over the place, uh, jamming Foreigner Live at the Rainbow, 1978, some Journey, some Freely's Comet. I've been really into the Cars, kind of with uh, Cleveland. Nice. I think it's Parma, Lakewood Royalty, Benjamin Orr. It gets sent to you when you move into the neighborhood. They just, <laughs> they just send it to you. Yeah, Rat, Slayer, um, some Suicidal, some SOD, Gorilla Biscuits. Oh, cool. Power Trip. Don't ask me why I tried to listen to one of the newer Rob Zombie albums. There's a newer Rob Zombie album? That's how, that's how much... Oh, dude. <laughs> I, I don't... Ugh. He can't hit the mark on anything. No. Like, it was so... I listened to about three seconds of it. But New York Dolls, Dead Boys. There you go. Uh, we Sleaze. Have Come For Your Children is my favorite that's, Dead Boys album. It's, that's prototype sleeves. Ain't It Fun is phenomenal. And also, a lot, a lot, a lot of one of my favorite bands of all time, and that's Van Halen. Mm-hmm. So both versions, Van Hagar, Van Halen. Yikes. Uh, not Van Sharone. <laughs> The one album. (laughs) But yeah, that's it. And it's funny because I would listen to that and then I would always go back to Ozzy, go back to Sabbath. Listen to a lot of Never Say Die and Technical Ecstasy because I never listened to those anywhere near. I I have a great rant coming up. So let's. uh, Yeah, but yeah, let's get started off with. uh, So we're we're doing all things Ozzy. So I guess really we're going to start with Sabbath. Um, Really, I mean. My earliest, I was young. I think we all were young when you got into Sabbath. I have this conversation with my friend Woods a lot where Sabbath was really, my parents weren't into it, my uncle was. Mm-hmm. And I remember being really young and seeing the poster in a record store. My sister was buying maybe a Coconuts mm-hmm. or something. And I remember seeing it and my, my parents vividly being like, you, you can't listen to this. This is like really bad. And it was a band I think they remembered from the 70s that they really didn't want us, you know, because it was evil and you know, I remember getting into them really, really young, Paranoid, first record, and it was really, I think everybody kind of starts with Ozzy, and to me it was always, his voice was always really unique to me, and I think really a big personality, and even mm-hmm. Sabbath, Iron Man, and you know, we were all young too when Ozzy was kind of really this danger, especially you, because you're a little bit older, that kind of dangerous figure, mm-hmm. and I think his voice is... It's funny because he's not an aggressive singer, but he has a way to really captivate and give a song really a lot of personality. And even as early on, like, you know, the first record, uh, you know, NIB, and obviously the title track, Black Sabbath, just, I think it was really sucked me in right away with those records. And I think what sucked me in about Sabbath wasn't so much just the riffs, it was Ozzy's vocals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel the same way. A lot of people, it's hit or miss. A lot of people really don't really give Ozzy a lot of credit for being a singer. It's more no, a they don't, and I don't think they give him credit because I and I think he deserves credit. 
for his vocal melodies. Mm -hmm. I think that he's brilliant. That's one thing I've heard with a lot of musicians that, yeah, Ozzy doesn't write any of the music. You know, he doesn't have anything to do with that. A lot of lyrics, a lot Lyrics, of time, lyrics yeah, yeah, absolutely. But his vocal melodies, I've heard that, you know, he has this uncanny ability to come up with some of the catchiest uh, uh, melodies and vocal lines. Sure. And I think that that's really what got me. I mean, my dad listened to Sabbath and Deep Purple and The Who. And anytime, you know, when I was a kid, about the age of what my two sons are now, uh, seven and nine, you know, I'd be sitting in the back of the car, my dad would be blasting the radio, and a Sabbath song would come on, and he would say, who is this? Mm -hmm. What song is it? And that's kind of what got me into it. And obviously, it was the big stuff. You know, it was Iron Man. It was Paranoid. War Pigs. You know, those are the songs that they played on repeat that I'm pretty sure, you know, the stations around here, they probably don't even know that there's other Sabbath songs other than those three. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you hear Sweet Leaf. They'll, they'll throw it on yeah. around like 420 or something like that. I think it's a gag. But it was it was so different to me, you know, and I'm sure we'll, we'll do an entire Sabbath. I know we were talking about an entire Sabbath episode all right. the way up until even like the, the Dio era, the Gillen era. The Tony Martin the era. The Tony Martin era, which I think is I say, safe to say is, probably, aside from Ozzy, my, probably my favorite. Yeah, oh, I agree. And we'll get into that in another, another episode. But the thing about Ozzy was a lot of singers in the 70s were so... They had such vocal range and they were so over the top. I mean, anything from Freddie Mercury to... Boston. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, fog hat. A lot of like grand <laughs> yeah. funk. A lot of those guys were great bluesy. They're bluesy. Oh, Mark Farner and Grand Funk is. I mean, I could, I could rant about that dude for you know three hours. Yeah. But even Alice Cooper had a nice, nice little. Yeah, and stuff. it was like, I always put Ozzy in the Alice Cooper category, and that they didn't have like a ton of range, but it was so unique that their voice was almost like another instrument in the band. Yeah, it yeah, it brought. Without them, like without, you could definitely tell that it was a different band. And I think with Black Sabbath, you saw that with Ozzy. As soon as he was out, became a different. Yeah, the band was different. As soon as Dio was out, the band was different. Mm -hmm. So I think that you know I give credit to Ozzy for that. Um, I think for a perfect example of that is I, I do not like you know you know it took me a long time to even get come around to the Dio era. I'm talking recently. Yeah. Like I mean I know it's a lot of people are probably puking. You know, I mean, I right. almost canceled my friendship right. with him. I, I can imagine Patrick probably just had a stroke. <laughs> but it took me a long time to get to into the Dio stuff. Did not like it for a long time. Did not like it for most of my youth. But I think that it's Dio singing the Sabbath songs. I still don't really or the Sabbath songs with Ozzy. I still never no, really liked. I will agree with you on that. Okay, that's the one thing. I love the live album with Dio. I absolutely love it. I just can't... When he sings the Ozzy stuff, it's just not... Because Live Evil is phenomenal. But is. when he sings the Ozzy stuff, Ozzy was so unique. And his his vocals are so... It's like... They're so... They're like niche, you know? Mm -hmm. it, the, it really can't be mimicked. No. Not until... The only time I heard somebody mimic it, you know, that closely was 
years later with uh, the, the band out of San Francisco, Orchid, not the Screamo band. Um, we're talking about the newer kind of doom metal mm-hmm. that they're able to ape Sabbath in like the, like the most uncanny way. But those vocals are very much like, and I, I also... Dan Dan Fondelius, yeah, Dan Fondelius. It, it yeah. is definitely probably the closest. That was another thing when I went down vocals. the Hellhound Records rabbit hole with anything Hellhound, you know, and then I got into Count Raven. I was like, holy yeah. shit! This That's guy actually is how like... I got into a, a, my friend Tim, who worked at a pizza place I worked at for many years, knew I was a big Sabbath fan. And he liked it. He's like, he knew that I liked Doom and stuff, and he was big. Uh, he gave me a Count Raven burned album. And was like, you got this guy's vocals are just like Ozzy. And when you hear that, you're just like, what? That's kind of like, I I was surprised. It really does, though. But of the Ozzy era, let's try to let's try to rank if we can. Um, oh, man. The albums. I think, let's, let's go with your favorite. We'll do top three. Ozzy era Sabbath. Okay. Uh, volume four is always going to be my number one. Um something about that album I just think the track listing is absolutely disgusting I think it's perfect um, absolutely perfect Super Not is one of my favorite songs ever not just a Sabbath song but just a song ever um, I'm also going to throw in I would say for me it's Master Reality I mean uh, Volume 4 then Master than Sabotage. Sabotage is... Dude, it is vicious for a Sabbath album. The, the production is very hard. The drop-off so. from Sabotage to Technical Ecstasy is, like, astonishing. Because Technical Ecstasy is just, like... To me, I don't think it's a terrible album, but there's no balls to it. Sabotage was, like, in your face. It's like a punch in the face... Ozzy's screaming on it. You can tell he's just belting. You can definitely hear it. You know, Sabbath, that was around the time when they were definitely going through a lot of their legal troubles um, where I guess they spent most of the time recording it at night. During the day, they were in court, you know, battling their record label. And you can really hear the tension on it. It's a really tense, heavy mm-hmm. record. It's loud, you know, and mm-hmm. just hole in the sky. I mean, come on. Uh, I go my top three would be volume four is also my number one cool uh followed by paranoid uh which i think is definitely you know the most popular but i mean come on electric funeral the song paranoid you know fairies were boots i mean Mm -hmm. it's such a there's so much i love the production i love the drum sound hand of doom hand of doom uh love the production on paranoid love the drum sound yes uh I'm paranoid still. And my top three, my third one, honestly, people are going to, is Technical Ecstasy. Really? Yep. I love Technical Ecstasy a lot. It's it's a great album. I like that it's, it's a perfect example of an album that's a little proggy and a little out there, but it works. I think that, you know, Backstreet Kids is a great track. One of my favorite tracks by Sabbath. You know, Gypsy, uh, She's Gone. I, I think that Ozzy really... If you want an album where it really showcases Ozzy's vocals and how they can really... Because most of the Sabbath era, it's really a riff and Ozzy kind of just on top of it. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of 
very much on the riff all the time. You know, mm-hmm. I think by technical ecstasy, you can kind of see that he's he's a talented enough singer to really go on his own. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense. We never say die. They ended on a kind of a dud with Ozzy, in my opinion. I see. I like Never Say Die better than Technical Ecstasy. Um, it's weird because every time I listen to those two albums, I always think Never Say Die is the one after Sabotage. For some reason, it has that feel to me mm-hmm. that it's not as much of a drop off. But yeah, it should. They should have ended with Technical Ecstasy. Yeah. That should be the one they end with <laughs> because it's so out there and it's so not uncharacteristic. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm kind of always pegged as like a, the 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 uh, dissenter with the unpopular opinions. But I really do think the technical ecstasy, I think if people go back and jam it, cool record, man. It's a really cool... I think my favorite in this context of Ozzy. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but I think really... Well, they're cool in that you're when you go back and listen to them, it, it, you're not going to be disgusted like if you go back and listen to Danzig 5 and you're going to be like, I'm going to fucking kill the person who told me to go right. listen to this. As much as Never Say Die may not be my favorite. It's no you still listen to it, and it's still like, okay. Yeah. You know, it's not my favorite. It's not the greatest, but you don't, you're do not you not pissed off after listening no, to I don't, it. I don't, want to, I don't want to cut myself in, you know, in the throat and, and jump off a bridge when I listen to <laughs> Never Say Die. But I think that Ozzy, you can kind of see his, his evolution in Sabbath, uh, not so much as a character, but as a singer. Mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of something I think needs to be emphasized. Is you know, from the first album up until Never Say Die, he becomes a better singer despite mm-hmm. a, an insane cocaine problem. Oh my just, god! You get kicked out of Black Sabbath for a coke problem. You have a cocaine problem. Well, yeah, like, he's he's got. That's kind of, you know, I would joke around sometimes and say that Stephen Adler from Guns N' Roses had the Ozzy Osbourne disease, that you got kicked out of a band for being for doing too many drugs in a band that literally did all the fucking drugs. <laughs> it's like, how do you do that? That's like being kicked out of Motley Crue because you're just not respectful enough to women. Yeah. Like, that's insane. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that he... Really, despite having those problems and the personal problems with the band, really still managed to never really dial it in or phone it in. I, th- I think that even the minute, I think Sabotage is a really good example too of maybe showing Ozzy's power, and that could really be the production. But no, he does, dude. You can hear him straining, but in a good way. You do you can think he hear- would have lasted in the Dio if they would have went Dio era musically? It's a great question to pose. Let's no. say you think you don't think he would have been able to cut it. No, because Dio, as much as I love Ozzy, he doesn't. Even, he can't hold a, a, a flame to Dio. You mean as technically as a singer? Yeah, I mean Dio, his range is so unreal and ungodly mm-hmm. that no, there's absolutely no way that I, I think that he would have been able. To sing those songs, mm-hmm. and for it to come out sounding as good as you know, I don't think it would have happened. He doesn't have any range. That doesn't mean that I think he sucks. It just means that the stuff that he sang on was perfect for his ability. And you know, that's it's just kind of I don't know. 
But yeah. no, I, I don't I don't believe at all that he would have been able to handle. Why do you? Or? I I don't know. I, sometimes I think you know, there are some tracks that maybe it would have would have worked, but I have to I have to agree. I don't think that I don't think that Ozzy would have been able to last on those records. I I can't see Ozzy singing Mob Rules, no. and, and it sounding as good. Now I can see. I would like maybe my big what if would be I think that Ozzy would have done a good job on Born Again. I think he would have been pretty, and I love Ian Dillon. He's one of my favorite singers of all time. Love Deep Purple, um, and Born Again is my aside from the Ozzy are my favorite Sabbath album because it's so very cool out there. You know, it's mm-hmm. pretty much there. Another perfect day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's totally off the wall. It's imagine if Deep Deep Purple and Sabbath got together and got drunk and made a record. Yeah, but it's. I think Ozzy could have done a good job on that record. I think he could have done it in his own way and made it cool. But, and even, you know, maybe even like Headless Cross, some of those songs I could see Ozzy maybe pulling it off. But I think I think you're right. I think that he definitely, his time, it's very much a time and a place thing with him and Sabbath. Uh, but favorite tracks of the Ozzy era? Oh my gosh. Um. Well, I'm gonna go on sabotage. I'm gonna go superstar, super czar, whatever you want to say. <laughs> um. That even though it's it's more of an instrumental, I still love that song. But megalomania, um, symptom of the universe. Oh my God, um, volume four. I love the song changes because it's so different. Uh, such a departure for them, but super not. Um, my God, you know the thing is with all of these early albums, there's so many songs. After Forever is one of my favorite songs of his. After Forever is probably what I was saying. Yeah, Lord of This World. I mean, it would be easier for me to choose favorite Aussie solo tracks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, as a unit, Black Sabbath wrote such awesome music that it's hard for me to pick out, you know, a pure, like, favorite Aussie, like, you know, three, five tracks. Because every time I'm looking, I'm thinking, okay, well, this track is great. Then I think, well, what about this track? What about Children of the Grave? What about, you know... It just goes on and on. So I'm just thinking standout tracks that I can think of that really showcase us. I think a national acrobat. Yeah, that's one of my favorite songs. Uh, Snowblind, I think, is still my favorite song of the Ozzy era. Mm-hmm. Um, it's love is passion, and then that song, uh, After Forever, like you said, uh, NIB, still oh. I think is such a great, yes. perfect song for him vocally. Uh, and I think Lord of This World too, and Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. I think he really. What about Sapper Cadabra? Yeah, it's a lot of conviction in in his vocals in the in that era, and I think, you know, as we get to kind of towards the the end of Sabbath, uh, and the transition into Blizzard of Oz, uh, I I think it's it's great. What I love so much about Blizzard is there's really no Sabbath album or song that I can think of where it's. Okay, here's where I could see what he was going to do next. Mm-hmm. You know, because when you go to the Ozzy solo, you go to Blizzard of Oz, 
it, it nothing really. I think Randy Rhodes brought such a different dynamic for mm-hmm. his voice that really gave him a whole different kind of sound. Mm-hmm. Where there really is no Sabbath track vocally where I'm like, ah, that's where I could see Ozzy going by himself. And that's kind of why I pick, you know, Technical Ecstasy is maybe one of my favorite albums because it at least showcases Ozzy being able to do something different vocally, you know, mm-hmm. than he was maybe used to. But it still doesn't really act as a segue to, to Blizzard of Oz. No. Well, I think with getting into that, um, obviously there was the whole, as much as, you know, and we'll get into Sharon. <laughs> and Good Lord. But if I honestly believe that it were, if it weren't for her, he probably would have offed himself a long time ago. I think it's that's common, that's common knowledge at this point. Yeah, and I think that being out of Sabbath, he was so incredibly depressed. You know, I, I don't think because the guy had nothing else going for him. No. So I don't think that he, you know, and um, then he was signed to what Jet Records, which is Don Arden's label, mm-hmm. um, and. Don Arden, I think it was Don Arden, wanted as a name for the band. I think it was just because Ozzy, as far as I remember, I think wanted to call it just Ozzy. It was Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, he wanted to call it Blizzard of Oz. Some of the, yeah, some of the, yeah, Blizzard of Oz. And some of the other guys in the band, that's kind of what they thought that it was going to be Blizzard of Oz. Mm -hmm. That it was going to, that was going to be the band. Um, obviously ended up not being that. Right. But Don Arden, I think, mentioned possibly calling his band Son of Sabbath. And Ozzy was like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever yeah, heard. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't imagine that being really uh, very, really successful. Even, even the Blizzard of Oz, I always thought was kind of a stupid name. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I, I mean, I think it's I think it's all right. It's an okay album cover. I mean, album title. Yeah. But, I mean, I think that it's... Uh, and I do, you know, let's face it, let's, let's give I think that Blizzard of Oz is a great album still. Mm-hmm. I think it really holds up. Mr. Crowley is still a standout live track. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing about Ozzy that I do love too is, despite uh, not being able to formulate a coherent sentence <laughs> since 1991, yeah. he still, when you see him live, nails every single track. Mm-hmm. Whether he's... You know, doing the Paul Stanley business, we'll never really know, maybe, but I don't think he is. Well, a little bit when it comes to the highs, uh, Robert Mason. Is, yeah, the guy behind the curtain. Who's, was in Lynch Mob and now the lead singer Warrant came out and said that he was hired to sit behind the curtain and do the highs along, but he doesn't do it anymore. I don't know what they do. For that, but he was hired for like a tour, I think. Maybe. Yeah, maybe we, I think maybe to fill in when Ozzy maybe. Could, but I don't think that's a regular thing. I also and also let's face it, there was a couple for you know not to burst another bubble, but I always thought that Ozzy was pouring the water on himself because he was a maniac. But it turns out when you're that fucked up on opiates, yeah, you're you pissing yourself yeah. and you need to fucking pour water on yourself. So I mean, things always get ruined by the internet. Yeah, but, <laughs> it's a you know I think Blizzard of Oz still is a great a great breakout record mm-hmm. you know one of the best debut albums I think in rock history uh, and I think that Randy Rhodes definitely asserts himself which is weird to me because Randy came from Quiet Riot mm-hmm. and he was on two of the worst 
the, the Quiet Riot albums that you never hear about. And it's the first two Quiet Riot albums that are so fucking abysmal. Complete garbage. Absolutely just some of the worst shit I've ever heard. Nothing. They sound nothing like Metal Health. No. <laughs> They're terrible. Not that the stuff after, not that Condition Critical was really anything to really write home about. Oh but it's, it makes Condition Critical look like the fucking, you know, the wall. Like Led Zeppelin right. 4. <laughs> it's, <laughs> no, it's not. I agree. And it's like... But coming into uh, uh, Blizzard, you know, being on that album, coming into his band, it's it's really astonishing the level of musicianship of this guy. I mean, it was just unbelievable. So, and the band that he had around him, uh, you know, you start out with, uh, you got Bob Daisley, um, who was kind of, you know, he was absolutely dicked over by Ozzy and Sharon. As but he was a common theme throughout the... It's a common theme, but he was literally... If there was anyone who was as instrumental in promoting Ozzy's career and helping his career along, it would be fucking Bob Daisley. That guy was writing lyrics for Ozzy mm-hmm. for years. He was there. He would come back all the time. He would get shit on, come back, get shit on, come back. Yep. You know, with all of the with him and uh, Lee Kerslake, Lee Kerslake, who was in Uriah Heap. Yep. Um, it seems like there was a lot of Uriah Heap connections with Ozzy, like some of the people that he brought in to his band. But um, they, and I'm sure we'll get into it when we start ranting about Sharon about how terrible of a human being she is. Well, it was his what his abusive and unjust behavior. Um, Ozzy wanted him removed from the recordings because of his abusive behavior. That sounds like not Ozzy. That sounds like something Sharon told me. Meanwhile, these are two people that were doing coke and getting drunk and choking each other every five minutes, saying that (laughs) somebody was being abusive. But that's also around the time we get the first bit of controversy with Ozzy, the the cultural figure with Suicide Solution. Yeah. At a time when metal is really coming under attack. Um... Honestly, you know, Suicide Solution, not one of my favorite Ozzy songs, uh, despite being, I listen to it back and it's not really, maybe it's because I listen to you know, black metal bands that overtly tell you to kill yourself, yeah. you know, that I, I, it's hard to kind of push yourself in the context. Well, but. my, yeah, that's the one song, my favorite track on Blizzard of Oz is Steal Away the Night. Really? Steal Away. That song is such a killer closer. Absolutely, I love the riff in it. I love No Bone Movies. That's a good tune, That's dude. A good tune. It's, it's a really, really ridiculous title. <laughs> uh, but you know, and as you know, uh, Lee Kersley from you know, yeah, from he, as well on it too. You know, cool, who cool track. is only I think he only has what several months to live. Yeah, now he's, he's on the last. Uh, it's fucking sad, dude. It is. I mean, it it really is. It's. I don't know. And let me just talk about with Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman, uh, which I even as as a kid when I would say that album title fast, Diary of a Madman, I was like something like Diarrhea of a Madman. Um, I always kind of lump those albums together too because the two Randy records. But I remember the 2002 reissue. Okay, I bought. I was like, oh my god, they remastered. I already had the remastered 
albums where it had like just like the little album cover on the front um but i bought the two the 2002 reissues because it was like the full cover of the album i thought okay i'm such a nerd like i wanted the full cover i didn't know anything about it and i i should have knowing how much i'm into music i am and shit and reading stuff and yeah um and i bought and i'm sitting there listening to it and i'm like there's something fucked up about this you know like the bass and the drums they don't sound the same until I realize that they fucking pulled Bob and Lee they took their recording off of it and they put in Mike Borden and Robert Trujillo and I thought and I, I was just like it just sounded it sounded shitty it didn't sound right and it wasn't until I think the 30th anniversary that they put them back on. And to me, that was such a shitty thing to yeah. do. It was so petty for Sharon to do. that. You know it's all her. It I, I, I don't think that Ozzy, even though there's some things that Jake said, that Ozzy said to him, but I think it's because Ozzy was just like a bumbling fucking idiot drunk. And he was just kind of parroting shit that Sharon probably told him. Um, I think that Ozzy's experience, from what I remember Ozzy always saying, and I read this in, you know, uh, uh, various, you know, books and anecdotes over the years, that I think Ozzy's, he almost, he used to always say, he used to tell Randy this all the time, that he had this weird thing about paying your dues, like, Oh, this is like this is what happened to me in Sabbath, and almost like now it's my turn to put people through the ringer. Yeah, you know where it was almost like he learned the music business in such a savage way. That's what Jakey Lee said, and it's almost like he kind of put these guys through this almost because that was done to him, Mm -hmm. almost like an abusive dad who's like just beating you up because you know cycle of violence. Yeah, cycle of violence. It's really kind of strange. No, Jake said. When, when he got into the band, he said that one, one night Ozzy was, you know, big surprise, completely, you know, pissed drunk. But came up to Jake and said that he was going to fuck him over, you know, financially and, and professionally. And Jake's like, what are you talking about? And he was like, I, I was fucked over in my other band. Now this is my band. I'm going to fuck you over. That's how it works. And when you get your own band, you'll fuck your guys over. And Jake was like... You're a nutcase. No, no, I'm not gonna do that. Like you just thought he was like completely insane. Yeah. But I I would think that it's it's more Sharon. And those fucking two thousand two remasters are a goddamn travesty. Yeah, they are. As soon as I got the thirtieth anniversary ones, I actually got I actually found the original releases, just the regular releases of Blizzard and Diary. And bought those, and then fucking booted those 2002 reissues. And then once the 30th anniversary ones came out, well, just those the layout of the little artwork alone was annoying to me. I didn't. Like those were little... no, the, those were those came out in the 90s. Oh, those, those were, 98, were like part of the 90s. Yeah, I can't remember. I think it was earlier than that. I think it was like 95 or so. I'd, I'd have to look, but they did remaster them earlier than that. And those are the ones you're talking about. They all had different colors. Yeah. And it was like the... like the. That's right. The 2002 reissue was the actual full album cover. And it was just like... Dude, it duped people. 
into you know oh cool it's a reissue of the you know original album you put it on and it's like completely yeah. different it's like those fucking Megadeth re- remasters are fucking travesty don't Stand, even get me started on that standout tracks though I mean I think I put Diary m- very much ahead of Blizzard in terms of Dude, an album yes I think you know Leaps over, and Bounds Over the Mountain Flying High Again is one of my favorite Ozzy songs of all time Believer's so creepy Believer is eerie Believer's such a great song Little Dolls, hate it. Really? Hate it, always have. It's so, it's just goofy. The chorus is so corny to me. Uh, the title track, Diary of a Madman, you know, S-A-T-O. I mean, it's, it's, I think that Diary stands head and shoulders above Blizzard. And I think that Diary, I would even say, you know, I, I gotta say it, it's, Maybe better than No More Tears. Diary? And, and it might be it might be better than the album that we're gonna get to. Yeah. Uh, I think I is that I think is beloved by everybody. Maybe. Maybe they're neck and neck, but I haven't decided. You yet. know what my it's kind of my it blows my I I've told people before what my favorite song <laughs> on Diary is. And it's not it's tonight. Tonight's a great song. Tonight's I don't know what it song. is. I love it, like the chorus. I just, I love his vocals on it. Is it just a rhapsody? <laughs> you know, I don't know what it is, man. That song is so catchy. I absolutely and Diary of a Madman, the song itself, yeah, is disgusting. Really I mean, and like you said, it's it's such a major step up from Blizzard. And a lot of times when I listen to bands' second albums, I heard Sammy Hagar say this at one point. So it was either Sammy Hagar or Joe Satriani. When you put out a, when bands do a second album, it's almost like there's this magic on the first album, and then you get to the second album, and there's like all this pressure to Soft recreate. Yeah. And then the third album is usually better. With this, it's like the first album was good. The second it's album classic, was but Madman is absolutely catapulted yeah. him album cover was evil as sh- I mean, the album covers the vibe the stage shows mm-hmm. um, I th- I, but then I think that we get to you know obviously Randy passes away tragically yeah it was but uh, then 82 but then Jesus Christ incarnate comes into the fold <laughs> the best well we got let's let's get into because i know some people probably don't know there's one guy that auditioned mm-hmm. twice that's right, that's right. That's and true. was beat out by two of ozzy's fun fact and that was george lynch that auditioned and lost it to randy mm-hmm. and then was in the band after randy died Never on an album. No, I don't think ever played live at all. He was just kind of like rehearsing. Uh, yeah, some rehearsals, yeah. And then, literally, you could listen to this interview with George Lynch talking about how terrible of a firing it was because he he had nothing. Like, he was... The first time, I think, it's, it, maybe he didn't take... Maybe, I don't know if he lost it to Randy, but I know he went to Dawkin instead. Because he was just like, eh, I'm going to go to... I can't remember which one it is. I know the second one, he, he absolutely lost out to Jake. 
Yes. And Ozzy, like, right in front of him, was like, you're out of here. You're yeah. fired. And it was like, holy shit, Which dude. Which is, I mean, not, not a characteristic. I mean, Ozzy was kicking people out of bands in front of their families while they show up to shows. So... <laughs> Don Costa. Right. It's. I mean, that's that's a nightmare. The guy brings his kids and his family to a show. They're set up. He's ready to go. He's got his gear. Mm-hmm. And Sharon just literally tells him to fuck off in front of his kids. So well, that's the thing. It's like before, and in this it all connects back to Jake because this is the story that Jake told. Um, so Don, I guess they were sitting. He was the bass player, and I think George Lynch actually got. Costa the job um, as as the bass player. He played live, never played on an album. But uh, so he's they're sitting in the, the tour bus and Ozzy tells Don to come back to, you know, the back room. So he goes back there and Don comes running out with his fucking nose broken, blood running down his face. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking, you know, holy shit, like Jake's like, what the hell's going on? And I think he said, Ozzy said something to the effect of that Don Costa was like trying to hit on him or try to kiss him or something. But Don was like, no, he fucking headbutted me and busted my nose open. And to avoid being sued, Sharon and Ozzy paid for his plastic surgery and shit to get fixed. And then they were going to play the Us Festival, 83. Right. And that's when Don showed up <laughs> with his whole family. And Jake saw Bob Daisley there. And Bob, and he was like, uh, what are you doing here? And Bob's like, well, I'm play. playing the show. Yeah, let's do it. And Jake was like, holy shit, what the fuck is... And here comes Don Costa with his entire family. Like, you know, and walked right up. And Sharon fired him right in front of everyone, humiliated him. And I'm telling you... The fact that that bitch hasn't been like that, she still has her teeth, it's is insane. beyond me. Because if she would have done that to me, well, we're, get, well, we're getting into a better one with uh, pretty soon with Jake, Jakey Lee. Obviously, let's just let's just get right into it. Bark yes. at the Moon. Bark at the Moon is the best Ozzy album. Ultimate Sin. I know Bark and Ultimate Sin are kind of always from metalheads. They always kind of hold these two. I think, especially extreme metal fans, really hold these two up to. Really high standard. Jake Ely, just such an amazing guitar player. He is. Uh, Badlands. I mean, his other. I mean, so many great projects. We, you, I know you and I could do. Uh, we could actually mix an episode on Badlands and Blue Murder. Absolutely. And do a fucking like nine hour episode. Oh, huh? <laughs> those are two of the best hard rock albums ever made by anything with a pulse. Yes. Uh, but yeah, but, no, you're right, dude. Jake is sick. I mean, and, I mean, just let's just go down the line here. These these just banger tracks on this record. I, I love "Bark at the Moon" so much. It's uh, the title track. You're no different. Now you see it. Now you don't. Is my favorite solo Ozzy song of all time. That's uh, that riff is "Rock and Roll Rebel." Waiting for darkness. If I were to pick three, I know I said before it was hard for me to do it, but I'm looking at my notes here, and I did pick three. And I'm not going to tell you the other two yet, um, but one of them is now you see it. Oh yeah, that riff. Now is, you that, don't. That riff is I'm, rock and roll. Ru- yeah, dude. Center of Eternity, I think, is maybe going to be one of yours. Center of dude. It's not in in the three, but it's definitely up there. It's a spooky album. Yeah. Everything about it, dude. It just has that like '80s kind of yeah. creepy vibe. In in, we're at the apex too of Ozzy being. I think at this point, 
the Satanic Panic, the character Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, absolutely. Under fire, and he just with this album totally goes for the jugular. Mm-hmm. I think the way Jake plays is tailor made for his manic vocals, mm-hmm. and it's kind of uh, Ozzy's really able to do a lot vocally, a lot more character of the songs, and it's really a bombastic character on Bark of the Moon. Yeah, that you get, and I think it's perfect for the. I mean, he definitely went all out. It was Ozzy Osbourne the character. It was almost like Ozzy's version of Thriller, getting dressed up. (laughs) You know, that's a good way to put it. You know, it's like it was. He was so larger than not as harmful to kids as uh, MJ. But But, uh, you're you're right with the whole satanic panic and. This just seemed, especially since, you know, he had already bit the head off a bat, bit the head off a dove. Right. And that stigma, yeah, the stigma was already there. And people thought that he literally was evil. He was the Prince of Darkness. I remember being a kid and I was young. I was, you know, the first time, I don't know, I'm guessing maybe seven, eight, nine years old is when I really first started you know hearing about uh, uh ozzy i would see him on the news it was nothing <laughs> nothing ever positive and i just remember thinking this guy's insane dude this yeah. guy's nuts you know seeing videos especially later in the late 80s early 90s seeing videos especially in the late 80s on headbangers ball um just there was something to it. There was this vibe. There was this mystique that surrounded him. And he was larger than life. Mm-hmm. He was like a Bella Lugosi to me. He was, you know? he was the principal. He was a Lon Chaney. He was a fucking Peter Cushing. There was something to it. Sabbath didn't really carry that. Dio was not like that. Dio was no. very professional. I mean, he was a consummate professional. But with Ozzy, it was like he really was... A villain. He was like Alice Cooper to me. Mm-hmm. He was like, or an anti-hero, you know, where it, just something about him, you knew or you felt that he was evil and that he was bad, but you fucking loved him and yeah. you just rooted him. You, you <laughs> rooted felt, you felt like it really wasn't a shtick. Yeah. You know, uh, and I think that, too, like we're getting into, uh, uh, Carmine of Peace, you know, plays a little, small little role, uh, could have maybe been on this, mm-hmm. and it's kind of one of those big what ifs. You know, what if Carmine would have played? Oh man! On Bark of the Moon, I talk about taking a classic album to the different, even more classic terrain. Mm-hmm. But Jake, you know, we all can share. You know, obviously, Jakey e. Lee writes the lion's share of this music. Uh, album's getting wrapped up. Towards the end of the album, he's ready to go. We're ready to get this thing recorded, finished. Sharon comes with a contract, basically saying that Ozzy wrote all the songs, yeah, wrote yeah. all the music, and if you don't like it, we'll kick you out, keep all of your songs, keep all the music, re-record it, re-record it with other and you people, can get in line and sue us, yeah. And that leads us to Ultimate Sin, <laughs> where Jake E. Lee is smart enough to get a contract. Well, yeah, and it's like I mean, what are you going to do? It's You're... a writing crack. It's what makes which makes it why it's so hard to find Ultimate Sin original copy to this day. Because yeah. they won't even like reissue the damn thing because Jakey Lee can't give him any nickels and dimes for his hard work. Yeah, the only time they redid it was on those shitty remasters yep. with the small, you right. know, the small fucking cover on the front. 
Um, but it's... Well, first, you know, they got rid of Carmine. I was reading a Carmine's book. Um, that one of the reasons they got rid of him, to what he was told, was that his name was on his drum heads. Really? And, and they didn't like that. They thought, Ozzy's the star of the band. You're not. And he's like, that's Can't, so fucking petty. Couldn't he just not have him on his drum? I mean, couldn't he just... They just they never said anything to him. They just fired him for it. They, they weren't like, hey, can you take the... Can you just put, like, Ozzy Osbourne on your drum head? I wonder how much of this is actually because of cocaine. These are kind of major things. This is, like, so... Yeah, it sounds... You think they sit around nowadays thinking about this, like, laughing about, like, man, remember when we kicked that guy out of the band when we were coked up because of his drum heads? Like, I, I, I think Sharon probably does, but in, like, a, you know, villainous sort yeah. of way, like fucking Corella DeVille. I mean, she's just, like... Not that, you know, Randy Castillo's a slouch, you know? I just watched a recent uh, a documentary on him. Um, it was really, really interesting, just about his life. I mean, it was it was low budget. Um, it was on Amazon. I checked it out one night because I love, love the guy. Um, loved his playing. Total showboat. I love Randy's. I mean, he's a showmanship. I think it's great. Yeah, great drummer. He was in the pocket as fuck. Like that dude added so much. Let's let's just say Ozzy has never. I don't know so much about now because I think his, the past several albums have been shit. Mm-hmm. But especially in the '80s and even up into the early '90s, the musicians that he surrounded himself with were fucking solid, yeah. phenomenal. They were top notch. They weren't clowns. Sure, you know. And also, I mean, Bark at the Moon too. This is around the time, I mean, before Ultimate Sin, Ozzy has that infamous stint in rehab, which is one of the first high-profile hard rock metal guys really kind of admitting they have a problem, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, Bark at the Moon, I think what happened around that time, I mean, a lot of that I think can be attributed to the extracurriculars, you know, that was going on. I mean, Ozzy, people laugh about now, it's kind of like a meme, but this guy really was a drugged-out maniac. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that. Well, I mean, I mean, he tried to murder Sharon how many times? Right. I think there's one the famous story she tells where, like, she walked into the room and he was just sitting there looking at her, and so she said he literally looked like he was possessed by a demon, and just got up and like tried to fucking kill her. We've decided you have to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we've well, decided. I wish she would have. Uh, wish she would have went a little harder. <laughs> yeah. But it's a. Uh, anyway, I think that. You know, Ultimate Sin, we get... This is just such a Metalheads album. Through and through. I mean, from the artwork, which is probably some of the coolest art of any 80s hard rock metal album around, uh, we get just... Really, uh, probably the most successful album of Ozzy's era in the 80s. We're double platinum, you know, by 1994. Secret Loser, Never Know Why, Thank God for the Bomb, Never... Lightning strikes, fool like you. I gotta retract. This well, this beats Diary of Madman. I think. Now I thought maybe I could go Diary above this, and I thought maybe they could be neck and neck. But I'm looking at these tracks. Fool like you. That's my number one. That's my top yeah. Ozzy track of all time. I gotta go. If I gotta make a list, I gotta go. Bark of the Moon still my favorite. Ultimate Sin, then Diary. That's my top three. I I don't, I don't think that Diary. 
you know, R.I.P. St. Rhodes, but this album smokes. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. Shot in the Dark, written by uh, Phil Susanne. Phil was in another band uh, before that, but he brought the song Shot in the Dark. It was more of a, uh, an AOR style band called Wild uh, yeah, Wildlife. Oh, yeah. And uh, great vocalist in the band, man. They, Steve, they recorded that. Yes, they did. That was like different. Different lyrics. Um, you can you know search it out. Maybe we'll post it. I'll post it tonight. We should. We should post that so yeah. people can check it out. Vocalist Steve Overland, who went on to uh, Steve and his brother went on to do FM. Famous, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're a great British AOR act. I'm big on AOR type stuff like melodic rock. Fucking love it. I'm a sucker for it. Um, I think a lot of people use that fact to kind of throw this album maybe a not, like a bad nod. Like, oh, yeah. well, you know, its biggest hit was kind of written by this other guy. But it's, I think if you look down the tracks, Shot in the Dark's maybe like the weakest track on here. Mm-hmm. Like these other tracks. And it's the only it's the only track he'll play live. Yeah. And it pisses me off because, like you said, this is the bi- the biggest selling. Or it's I think that's more charting. of a Jake. Yeah, I think that's more of a spit in Jake's face. Well, so. there was... You know what? What is the the live show that came out at that time? I think it's the Ultimate Aussie. And I have that VHS, which I know. I, I keep telling you, I'll bring it up and we'll check it out. Well, but. we also we skipped over Speak of the Devil. Yes. No, I saw on my note. I saw Brad Gillis, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Joe skipped over. Let me finish Ultimate yeah. Sin, and then we'll go back. I think to we speak. wanted to save Speak for its own little. <laughs> yeah. thing. But it's fantastic. Um. But yeah, the ultimate sin, to me, is my, that's my favorite Ozzy album ever. Riff for riff, pound for pound, it's just the most solid thing that that to me that band was just on fire. Um, I love the lyrics, the production. Ron Nevison doesn't really do a great job on production. It's very 80s. It's very... If you listen to the guitar tone a lot, it sounds like a fucking... Sometimes it sounds like a can of bees. Like, I don't know what the fuck's going on with it, but... A can of bees? (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking can... Did you pre-write that before you... (laughs) But it's like... The solos are phenomenal, dude. And it's... Plus, Ozzy looked like a fucking... You know, transvestite trucker. He, I mean, he looked. He, he, lo- he looked like you just got a Betty Ford. He literally, if I were to show you pictures, the, the zebra. Oh um, my looking, god! He look, you know, he looks like he looks like uh, he looks like Greg the Hammer Valentine. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> if I were to show you pictures of my mom's sister Barbara in the late '80s, you would be like, "Holy shit! Your aunt was Ozzy Osbourne." <laughs> that's that's I don't okay. Know, I don't know who feels the sorry same about. fucking hairdo. The same hairdo. It's like, <laughs> but yeah, man. I mean, I I am so bummed out that they do not play more of these songs live. And I think the only reason they don't, like Secret Loser, which was on it's one of my be. favorite '80s films of all time, The Wraith. That's right. The Wraith is a fantastic movie. That's yes. uh, that's available on Amazon Prime yes. too. Check that out. Fucking Charlie Sheen. Um, but yeah, absolutely killer song. But they don't, and you know why they don't? Never Know Why might be my favorite oh, song on this album. Dude. I think I got it, yeah. But it's, and they don't because it's Jake. And I think that what Sharon does is everything she does has a purpose, and it's petty as fuck. 
and she just wants to shit on this guy and shit on his career. And the thing is, is that she's in the minority mm-hmm. because every one of the fans are like, no, you stupid fucking cunt. Like this guy, more and more when I talk to people, it's like, no, I mean, with all due respect to, like you said, St. Rhodes, uh, you know, Jake, best guitar player he's ever had. Yeah, it is. I mean, objectively, I think, obviously, Randy Rhodes, a very influential and classic. But, I mean, if, come on, man. Any Anybody who's in the metal, th- those two albums kill it. But speak of the devil, you know, let's, you got the shirt going on. It's a fantastic <laughs> shirt. Yes. Uh, Hell's Headbangers. Yeah, courtesy it's, of uh, Hell's Headbangers. Still, still available, I believe. There. Thank you. You're welcome, Chase and Craig. Yeah, it's one of the few shirts they have with uh, an actual back yeah. print, which is killer. Yeah. Print, right. More shirts with back prints. Hell's Headbangers. <laughs> Fucking please. You heard him, Chuck. <laughs> to work. Uh, but I think that it's really overlooked. And I think they, there was some contractual stuff, too, why they did this. I remember reading in, in his book, uh, Ran- or the book about Randy Rhodes didn't want to do this ever. He didn't want like playing the Sabbath songs live. Yeah. I know that's kind of a thing where a lot of the guys in Ozzy's band didn't really like doing the Sabbath tunes. Yeah, especially Jake. I know didn't like it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of did this to, you know, something with the contracts with the labels. Why they did the Speak of the Devil. Album, I'm not. I don't really remember the backstory. If you could shed some light, but sonically, it's as a record. I think that it's why they did speak of the devil. Yeah, exactly. because it was with Sabbath putting out Live Evil, and I think Ozzy was kind of like, I know, still have some rights to the yeah. Here's my shit, Cause he which because Ozzy couldn't get any royalties. And the guys didn't want to do it. I think they wanted to do it just a cover album at first. Um, the guys didn't want to do it, and I don't blame them. I think that at that point they thought, "We're a fucking band, dude. Let's like let's do our own shit." Yeah, we have our own thing going on. But yeah. I'm glad that they did. I'm glad they did. I'm glad they did it as a live album. I think it's great. And I think that Brad Gillis on it. Oh yeah. Hell is yeah. from Night Ranger. Who again? I'm an AOR fanatic, so it's like I love Night Ranger. I, like Night I fucking Ranger. love him. He's so good. He's not even the best guitar player in Night Ranger. Jeff Watson is even better, yeah, if you can I, imagine that. But we, we, your, your love for Night Ranger is pretty... It's strong. I, I I'm going to... I'll put my dick back in my pants. Yeah, let's, I mean... <laughs> you said that so aggressive towards me. If everybody can see, like, looked like you're like... I think some Night Ranger. I mean... <laughs> it gets, it gets, uh, You're like, dude, calm down. Yeah, calm down. <laughs> but I think that he, uh, it, it's great. It sounds great. Ozzy sounds, it, it has an, a darker, heavier yes. take on what's crazy about Speak of the Devil. It's almost like if you took it, gives the Sabbath songs to Ozzy a new life mm-hmm. because they're played in a different manner. And it shows you how heavy those songs really are. Well, there are two things going for or against the album, however you know you want to look at it. A, Randy's dead, and right. so that's affecting Ozzy um, because I, I think that as much as I love him, it seems like he probably has he still has like the emotional fucking capacity of a child, so it probably right. still absolutely you know. But B. 
the anger of not just Randy, you had that, but the factor of him being out of Sabbath and that there was that competition going on there. Really, really, I mean, really bad breakup. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think this was his kind of like, you released a fucking Sabbath album playing songs that I sang on with another guy. You know what I mean? This, mm-hmm. These are how the songs are supposed to sound. And if I'm going to listen, I would rather listen to Ozzy sing the songs with other musicians playing those Sabbath songs than listening to Sabbath play the songs with Dio sing the Ozzy songs. And I know Dio was never on par for really doing the Ozzy stuff the same way. No, he, never he didn't really, want to. Yeah, He never enjoyed it. He thought that they had a different life. This whole thing with Sabbath post-Ozzy is really the tale of, of Ozzy and Sabbath both trying to do their own thing while still kind of carrying on the old thing they were both doing mm-hmm. and nobody else they were working with really wanting anything to do with it I think it seemed to me like over the years it was more except because, Zach Wilde I don't think Zach Wilde really ever had a problem no with the Sabbath he kind of came into Ozzy as more of a fan he anyway, was you know? and but I, I think that when it really when it comes down to me between Ozzy and Sabbath it really wasn't Ozzy versus Sabbath it was Ozzy versus Iommi because That's a good point. Geezer Butler still played. They were still friends. And Bill Ward and him were best friends. I mean, Bill went, yeah, Bill That's Ward. why they made Bill Ward do the deed and kick him out. Yeah, you exactly. I mean? And so I don't think it was those two guys. I think that the, the, the two biggest personalities in Sabbath ended up fucking crashing head on. Yeah. And they just couldn't, you know. Um, Speaking of Zach, though, what do you... No rest for the wicked. What do you... Mike, Mike, a friend of mine, you know, Mike, we have to shout out to Mike. We got to get him on. They should have been here tonight. Yeah, he should have been Motherfucker. Uh, it's, No Rest for the Wicked is an underrated album. It and is. I, I really, because he was telling me, he just scored a nice print, by the way, of this. He was showing me. I got to show you this. He uh, told me to go back and kind of give it another listen, because I listen to it here and there. Not really a whole lot. Um. Well, aside from Miracle Man and, you know, some of the hits. Yeah. Um, and it's solid, man. Really, really good album. Yes. Like, front to back. I, Zach Wilde, it's it's great to see him kind of before, oh. kind of before he, uh, we'll, we'll post this uh, this print uh, that my friend Mike scored on, online of No Rest for the Wicked. Great promo poster from 88. Um, Mike from Exorcism. Yeah. Either. Yeah. It's a cool, uh, cool record. I mean, it's really... It really, it's kind of a hit factory. Every single song is kind of on point. It is. It's it's got obviously another great. My number two when it comes to Ozzy's guitar players, which is Zach. Um, Fire in the sky, tattoo dancer, dance for me, bitch. Dude, I think that Demon it. Alcohol being the single though with Miracle Man. Demon Alcohol is a weak track. That's the one track I think is kind of weak. And maybe I would have even picked Hero or... I love Breaking All the Rules, man. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that's kind of a lame song. Oh, like, yeah, who was it? Patrick yeah, said Pat- that he uh, didn't like the lyrics. And Patrick's and- not, not in the minority. A lot of people think Breaking All the Rules is kind of... Breaking All the Rules. Kind of a I don't cool get it because I think it has one of the coolest fucking riffs. It's catchy as hell. It's heavy. It's maybe Ozzy being self-aware of his caricature at that kind of starting to become more this is maybe the album where you start to see Ozzy kind of ham up that 
Yeah. I'm the evil. And it's kind of waning at this point. Because I think by the time we get to No More Tears, he gets more introspective and more of a regular guy. Because by the end of the 80s, it was kind of... Yeah, especially in No More Tears, I think it was, you know... He's, to me, he's definitely not... It's the 90s, I'm not going to run around, like, killing bats anymore. Yeah. It's kind of corny at this point. But Fire in the Sky is my third song, I told you. It's a great song. So it was, Now You See It, Now You Don't. Fool Like You is number one, and then Fire in the Sky, I love. Yep. Um, Devil's Daughter is also a fantastic song. I think Zach Wilde... You can say what you want about his playing, the pinch harmonics. When he was good. When he was on, he was on. No Rest for the Wicked, No More Tears, Osmosis... Uh, Book of Shadows, his solo album, Early Pride early and Glory. Yeah. If you want fucking Leonard Skinner heavy metal, a la Zach Wild, buy Pride and Glory. That album is absolutely fucking perfect from top to bottom. It's killer. Something happened where he tr- he tried to do his own character, like this fucking faux biker bullshit. Yeah, it got and stupid. Black Label has has literally released the same fucking bullshit album, dude. Ugh. Early it's, Black Label Society was pretty on point. I like the first two or three. I think nineteen nineteen Eternal is probably my favorite. You know, BLS album, some great songs on it. But he's so much better than that, and he's like Malmsteen now, where he just fell into this rut, where everything that he plays is like a caricature of another solo he did. Like I, I it, yeah drives me nuts. I don't know who does worse pinch harmonics now, him or Tommy Victor and Danzig. I, I think they're they're arm wrestling for who can It's fucking horrible, dude. Like it's it's Which there's no way I mean what's <laughs> I mean John Christ, you know, Trey from Morbid Angel does some great pin- you can do pinch harmonics and not have it be corny. Zach Wilde just took a leap into He used to do it. He used to make it sound unique and his own I mean it's <coughs> excuse me, it sounded Phenomenal, you know, and I, I don't know, man. Everything that he did on the riffs on No Rest for the Wicked to me are as good as the riffs I hear from Jake on Ultimate Sin. Yeah, they're just they're fucking killer, dude. They're infectious. That first riff on Miracle Man is just dude, it just it's like a freight train yeah, to it's the great. face. It's fantastic, and I think you know, No More Tears. This is an album that people are divided on. You know, I think we kind of saw it, you know, in the polls too. I think people are really, maybe this is where a lot of the older fans kind of started to kind of turn away. Mm-hmm. I always love No More Tears. I love Mr. Tinker Train. I Don't Want to Change the World. Desire is one of my favorite Aussie songs. Yes. Such a great track. Um, Dude, Lemmy. Yeah. Lemmy wrote some great shit. I mean, Lemmy yo, co-wrote uh, My Mom Coming Home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of, lot of Lemmy on this uh, on this. Uh, all over this, and Lemmy also was helped by with by Ozzy with a lot of those vocal melodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, around the mid era of Motorhead, you know, Ozzy's a great, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. I think that No More Tears is cool. I think it's a different vibe, you know, of, of an album. You're, it we're, is. We're getting away from Ozzy being the, like we said, away from him being getting into the nineties. You know, and it's different. It's mature Ozzy to me. It's not. I, I just think that it, it was him calming down, but to me. The quality didn't calm down. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't recede at all. To me, it was. And I know some people, uh, you know, especially Jay, that's been on the show, um, that you know actually was supposed to be here tonight, couldn't make it because his number seven on the Billboard yeah. chart. His album was a big selling. It was but, a big selling album. It was yeah. Chartered high. But Jay doesn't like the album. 
He's he, he's of that age though, where he was. Yeah. He remembers, you know. To he him, was it a was teenager like, when 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 Bark came out. I mean, to him, it was like no rest, and that was it. Everything from no rest back, and he didn't like no more. This tears. is where and I think I I'm not going to speak for Jay, but I think we've known him well enough. I think we both do. Where it's he's, this is where the Ozzy Prince of Darkness kind of dies. And I think for a lot of people, they didn't want Ozzy Osbourne to be a regular guy with singing about coming home to his mom or having problems or having a. Real, you know, we didn't want people didn't want introspective Ozzy, which is funny because he was kind of always doing that in Seb. That's the funny thing about Ozzy Osbourne, like breaking that Ozzy character and going introspective. To me, it's almost coming full circle. He wasn't a character, or evil guy in Sabbath. He, no. Most of the Sabbath songs were about introspection and. Politics and religion. Yeah, and, you, think, know. you know, it wasn't about barking at a moon. Like, yeah. Where, uh, if anything, he broke away from who he was early on in Ozzy Solo. Mm-hmm. You know, to be something else. So I think that it's it's definitely a. Uh, but I, I, I gotta give a shout out to Road to Norway, which is my. That's one of the best songs of the nineties, man. That's like that's. There's not song. one song on the album. Bob Daisley back in. The band, but there's not one yeah, song in the album. He, he's not sick of getting treated like shit. I guess. Yeah. Well, well, I'm sure they, they pay his ass. Yeah. I mean, it's a good gig, you know, yeah. in terms of Especially you know exposure. Yeah. But not one bad song in the album. I think, and, and I think that this is the album that really cemented Zach's career. Absolutely cemented it because I, I, I agree with that. It just everything about. This album, the band. Uh, these were big. This and Osmosis were. These are big selling records. Mm-hmm. You know, these were kind of. I mean, Osmosis charts at twenty two in the UK. These albums did really, really well in the Swedish charts, all the way back to like Bark Moon. He's always in the top ten in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, U.S. Billboard two hundred. This is number four. Osmosis. Dude, no. I the one thing I remember about No More Tears. Is how big the album was. To me, it was like Ozzy wasn't he wasn't as scary, but it was like, dude, it's fucking Ozzy. You know, he became like, I mean, he, he was an icon at that point. You know, I live, think Live and Loud was ninety six, right? The VHS. No, it's right after this. This is right after this. Yeah, the uh, the Live and Loud uh, album is ninety three. Okay, because I had the VHS when I was a kid. Was this for this tour? Yes, that was when I remember. You're right. He was a big. This is a big like. Uh, I think he did. Osman cometh was a big greatest hits for him too. I remember that. That's being later. That's yeah, late. yeah, it was a big selling CD. There were two, I think there were two different tours that he did with No More Tears. Um, I think there was the Theater of Madness tour and then the no more tours tour so let's talk about that let's think yeah, about that's kind of teasing a retirement 1992 he was supposed to retire that was supposed to be it that was the big thing yeah no more tours yeah 19 think about that 27 years ago this fucking guy <laughs> was like i'm done you know, he's what seventy now, so he's you know, forty years old. Yeah, yeah for in his forties back then. Yeah. Well, I think. Well, this is what that was around the time when he had had just had he had Jack like what eighty five. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think they were kind of trying to. Yeah, but it's like this was it, man. I mean, this was 
you know, it was supposed to be it. But all of a sudden, <laughs> it's like, no, it's not it. When your album charts at number fucking four. Yeah. Uh, or, I mean, no, let's, that was Osmos. Let me see what we had. No More Tears. No More Tears, again, you know, charted really, really high. Uh, also gave them really pretty good critical acclaim at the time, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, USA uh, was four times platinum. Yeah. I mean, this is a big fucking run. You can't really quit. No label in the in the world is going to let you stop when you're... Um, I mean, come on. You know? He... If he would have went out on that tour... Number seven, by the way, in the U.S., it would he would have went out absolutely on top if he would have went out in that tour and without os- no osmosis you're saying no osmosis. osmosis if he would have done no more tours or no more tears then no more tours finished it retired and then maybe come back to it 10 15 years later 20 years later who knows that's a lot of momentum that's the thing is like i agree with you historically i agree but from a business perspective, I mean, I'm looking as we're doing this, and I really, I knew these albums did well, but I mean, this is this is top thirty and on every fucking continent. Dude, he was massive. I mean, I mean you're talking about insane. the heyday of, you know, mainstream music back then, the '80s and the early early '90s. I mean, metal was big. Number Norway, number twelve. UK, number seventeen. Germany, number twenty-four. Swiss. Album charts thirty seven. I mean, this guy is fucking Zimbabwe number yeah, two. He's in, yeah, he's in fucking <laughs> it's Mars. Like, it's it's going platinum. I mean, you're not you're not given. It, I, I to me, it's like maybe this is why a lot of the the guys, you know, more the old guard, they don't really like this one as much because it's like everyone. This is like his black album. Oh, every, everybody's grandma had this fucking album. Apparently, I didn't yeah. Know it was that fucking and when you're doing a song like Mama and Coming Home, which I don't give a fuck. I listen to the song from beginning to end to this day when I hear it. I great don't song. care. I love yeah. it. Um, it's a great live song, too. Mm-hmm. People love it live. And I think that he became, like we keep saying, he was less the Prince of Darkness and more just like a, this top-tier icon performer that people wanted to go see. He was an arena act. He was a legend, a living legend. And you weren't going to see him pull any fucking shenanigans on stage or anywhere else at that point. It seemed like, yeah, you know. You got you to, and Osmosis too, because we're getting Osmosis, mm-hmm. which I love this record. I saw that re, that tour, which is the Retirement Sucks tour. Who's who's going to get married and not have I Just Want You play at their wedding? <laughs> Two people that are, I hope don't stay together. Uh, but my my little man... It's my song for my son, Dom, man. Written, mm. Co-written by Lemmy Vibe, and Steve I. Yeah. You know, that's such a beautiful song. I mean, I, these are big. The production on Osmosis is really big. 90s, you know, fucking. Another great drummer, dude. Castillo was yeah. out of the band. I love these songs. I love. Fucking Dean Castronovo on are, drums. These are crazy good songs. Tomorrow, See You on the Other Side. Dude. It's such a great song. Yes, I the lyrics on Perry Mason are corny. They are. I love the fucking song. Great live song too. Yes, um, Thunder Underground, dude. Double platinum in the United States, as most was. Insanely great record. And, and it, 
I'm telling you, if you like... Not that sales... I don't want to give everybody the wrong impression that sales equates yeah. great music. But I'm just saying how Ozzy at this point is really blowing up. These yeah. this is a big. These are big produced records, too. Oh, yeah. Osmos is especially really, really, really big. Well, I remember um, Dean Castronova wasn't the drummer on the tour um, that, that I saw. I'm pretty Deezer's sure, pretty sure it was... Yeah. Um, I saw him in '96. I'm pretty sure was it Rand, was Randy on drums? He he, he I probably that would was. have been Randy. Yeah, because Zach was out. Zach was on the album, uh, and then Zach was out of the band, and then in we in comes kind of a strange guitar player that was with Ozzy for several years, but never recorded on a studio album. Um, wrote some tracks for the next album, Down to Earth, but it was Joe Holmes, who was uh, a student of Randy and also in uh, one of our favorite bands, you and I, Lizzie Borden. Mm -hmm. um, Great guitar player. Why was was, um, Steve Vai slated to join Ozzy? Because Zach was supposed to be gone at this point. Was it because Black Label was kind of becoming its own? Or was, was there I, a Black Label out? was a couple years later, I think. Um, I, I don't uh, know. Was it, was it because Black Label was forming and Ozzy was maybe not down with that? or Because Steve I was supposed to be in the band. I mean, that was supposed to be like the thing. You think after No Rest for the Wicked and after No More Tears doing so well... Maybe because Ozzy had said he was going to retire. Maybe Zach was looking at other ventures. I never really looked too much into that. We'll have to... Yeah. The, the thing is, uh, it was weird. I remember when I saw the tour. It was in Portland, Oregon. I uh, lived there with my folks. My dad and I bought tickets. My first time seeing Ozzy. And we, we got tickets to... Uh, the Rose Garden at the time, which now is Moda Center, where the uh, Blazers play. Uh, Rose Garden was new. Well, in I think it was Seattle, maybe the night before. Um, like the night before, uh, two nights before, I can't remember exactly, but he poured water on himself, like we were talking about earlier. Poured water on himself and slipped and fell. And became injured on stage. And so they... Yeah, slipped and fell. And they became... Uh, well, he got injured. And then they postponed the show one night. Only they, they took the show from the Rose Garden. And they put it into whatever... I think it was Memorial Coliseum or whatever the hell it was. And all of the tickets... All of the tickets... Were general admission. Oh, wow. Okay. We show up, my dad and I, this is like, you know, not my first concert. My first concert was actually a Blossom here uh, in Cuyahoga Falls, uh, 92, Van Halen, for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge Tour with uh, Vince Neal opening on the Exposed album. Yeah, well, my first my first show ever was TLC, Montel Jordan, Boys to Men, also a Blossom, 1994. Oh. You'll never top it. Nobody can. This is how we do it. This is how we fucking do it, and that's how we did it. <laughs> it's so, a Friday night. You feel all right? Oh, I was. I 
It was, and my second concert was Tom Petty. That's respectable. Tom Petty's great. And, and Burzum. You know, I'm kidding. <laughs> Bur- Burzum opening for Tom <laughs> Petty. <laughs> I wish. Um, but yeah, so this wasn't my first show. And so we showed up and we're in line. Everybody was in line. It was like normal. It was so weird. They were just like in these long ass lines. Everybody's talking. They're like, man, you know, we can't wait to... And the opening acts I could have done without. It was fucking Deftones and Corn. The Deftones didn't show up for some reason. They couldn't make it. So it was Corn. Probably oh. buying Pumas or something. What's that? They're probably buying Pumas or something. Oh my God. Band's, buying their fucking Adidas tracksuits and sucking each other's dicks. That fucking band sucks so bad. Like awful. It, awful. Oh, one of the worst bands ever in the form in the history of the Never saw them. Only this stupid, moronic generation would think that that band's like, you know, progressive and, and something that's classic and, and fantastic. I don't... Chino's vocals are... Just because you whine doesn't mean that you're saying anything shit. valuable. Yes. <laughs> shit. Yeah. And so glad I didn't get to see that band. So glad. But then Corn, it was off the first album. They were touring. Um, but anyway, we're standing in line. All of a sudden, this asshole comes out and he's like, "All right, we're opening the doors," and everybody fucking just bum rushed the fucking yeah. straight, and it was a riot, dude. Oh, when I saw Ozzy the first time was that Pantera riot, Ozfest two thousand. Oh my uh, god! Beside after Pantera, which like, love them or hate them, one of the best live bands ever in the mm-hmm. history of metal. After they decimated. Legendarily, Blossom Music Center having just a complete riot breakout. Ozzy was not to be outdated, mm-hmm. not to be outdone. Kept it going, and Biello and I stayed because we're big Ozzy fans. Great, nailed so much stuff. He did play um, "Shot in the Dark." Um, is that the is that the show that they ripped the sod yeah, up? I was there. Of Godsmack, which is still one of the Dude, funniest things I've ever seen. My dad and I were in the pavilion. <laughs> fucking that. Douchebag twat fucking Sully from God. So the fucking band was so horrible. Yeah, they were terrible. Thank God we got there just in enough time to miss fucking Tommy Lee's Methods no, of Mayhem. I did not miss Methods of Mayhem. Oh, my God. They play Get Naked? They they did. Oh, jeez. Twice, because they messed it up once, I think. Are you serious? Yeah, oh, they had like, some technical difficulties. So, we, yeah, we show up, and people start, you know, it's an outdoor venue, for those, you know, who don't know. And I was pissed Lil' Kim wasn't there. Lil' Kim in 2000? <laughs> kidding me? Not now. She looks like a... Collagen lamp. But back in that time, she did, looks like Lil Kim was on point. Two thousand. But they people started pulling up the the sod and just chucking it. And I remember Solly being like, you know, somebody chucks some shit on stage. And fucking somebody else throws sod at me. I'm gonna come down there and kick your fucking right. ass. It's, it's right. four thousand people. Yeah. <laughs> right when he says that, this gigantic fucking chunk of sod just it's like right nails him right, right in the face. face. And they just he just like uh. walks off. And that's it. Everybody cheered. Everybody. It was a great festival because that was when new metal was in like full swing, and Biello and I were already in like death metal and stuff, and already thinking new metal was lame. And it was great because it was a festival of just metal fans, like really giving new metal bands a hard time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was oh, really there was a there was a clear line. Yeah. At that show, the line was in the sand between people who were into Ozzy and people who were like into you know kickwear. But yeah, I remember Ozzy. Well, first of all, Pantera killed it. Yeah. And I remember Ozzy just fucking. It was great, dude. It was great. And uh, when we left after the show was over, my dad and I were walking out. There was a fucking truck, a little piece of shit truck, 
and this dude fucking banging his old lady doggy style in the back of the truck right. and there were like 20 people standing around the truck drinking beer and sharing yeah. and the guy's like get her get her that's all our, and my dad was like what the fuck's going on over there he walked over there and you could just hear the smacking oh. this dude just totally not a hot chick okay was we're he talking banging sully yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I guess if sully was like you know a, a deuce and a half <laughs> This bitch was gross. <laughs> My dad was just—we were just like, "Holy shit!" Laughing our asses off. But that—that that show, that two thousand Ozfest, was definitely an experience. And after you know, and after Osmosis is when we start to take a dive. Uh, this is—I still have my concert shirt from Osmosis nice. that my dad bought me. Long sleeve, Ozzy. I remember my dad's like at the show. We saw we finally got in at the Memorial Coliseum. I think that's what it was called. But we finally got in my. Yeah, so you want an Aussie shirt? So fuck yeah, I want an Aussie shirt. He comes back with like the seventy-five dollar long sleeve. It says Aussie down the sleeves, and it's like a, it has a giant Celtic cross embroidered on the chest nice. with Aussie. I was like, holy shit! And I still have it, dude. That's it's great. fucking awesome. Keep but it was a good that. show, man. He put on. Oh yeah, two thousand. It was the only time I ever saw Ozzy solo. I never saw him again because it was such a great live experience, mm-hmm. and he played everything I wanted to play. Mm-hmm. Wanted to play so. It he was, does play a, the same set. Yeah, I've it, seen him probably you see, if you've six seen times. Ozzy once, you've seen it kind of. It's even the same stage moves. His little frog hop, the the pouring of the water, yeah. the I love yous every five thousand times. Yeah, he's neurotic. He's constantly yeah. picking the microphone up and then putting it back yeah. and then picking it up. It's like, dude, make your mind up. Right. Um, and then we kind of take a swan dive into his. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! It gets kind of ugly after this. Um. Yeah. I, I don't really have words for what comes next. Uh, the Osbournes show... Oh, that um, destroyed... That took him from the Prince of Darkness yeah. and turned him into the fucking court jester. His his family... Not all of his kids, mind you. Only yeah. Jack... And, and, and Kelly. And Kelly. Which... I can't tell you how. Wasn't fucking... this wasn't this a thing to make his 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 fucking goofy daughter a singer? Wasn't that the whole shtick? They were oh, trying to promote God. her as a singer. Oh, she was so fucking horrible. And his son, what? His son was wanted just more 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 ho hos and fucking <laughs> fat fucking prick that he is. Dude, I. He's a fucking piece of shit. He is the most talentless, worthless. I don't give a fuck about Jack at all. No. Why is this dude even? Like, why are we even talking about this fucking piece of shit? No, but it's like Sharon and those kids took Ozzy and turned him into this bumbling, sad fucking. Like he was just a cartoon character, just like moping around the house. It's sad. What's sadder is for a younger generation. That's mostly what they know him. Yeah. From, as. Oh, I agree. That's what's kind of weird is his music has been eclipsed. Not only by his wife's goofy television show, his wife's business endeavors. Yeah. You know, her her celebrity has, in a weird way, eclipsed his. Mm-hmm. And there's credence to the point that she used him to catapult her own career. Yeah. Look, she's, a, she's an incredibly astute businesswoman. Sure. Nobody can take that from her. Which most right? of it is really, how much of that is really Don... From back in the day, though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I think her father, obviously, being cutthroat as he was, 
Um, I mean, my God, he, he put out a hit on his own daughter. Yeah. To, like, fucking <laughs> get rid of her. But um, she's just, she's a fucking puke, dude. I'm bringing that word back. She's yeah. a puke. She is. And the shit that she's done to his, to Ozzy's. To bands on the Ozzy Yeah, to <laughs> bands. Remember the whole Iron Maiden? Maiden? Yeah. yeah, the whole Iron Maiden thing. Which, I mean, let's, Iron Maiden's reached a point of a level of their career where they, you don't want to do that. Dude, Iron Maiden is is more popular, arguably more Iron popular Iron Maiden's playing now. the fucking moon tonight. <laughs> that's where they, they play planets. Not only point. did they so, play the moon, are they playing the moon, they sold it out two nights in a row. Right. So it's like, people don't even know how they're getting there, but they're yeah. buying tickets. And their fans going. would, too. Their fans would take a fucking space shuttle. Yes. Somehow they'd all get there and be woeing and singing all the songs. On and the- for good reason, you know? And it's like, and the thing, the great thing about that band, I mean, we'll do a whole thing on Maiden or, yeah, you know, I'm sure. The whole I thing about. I remember which one of their members are alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Clyde Murphy. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, that. Uh, they, every show that they do, every tour, I mean, it seems like they change it up. With Ozzy, he's been. Literally playing the same set list it's, since like 1925. No, but but Kendrick, no, what material is there where he's gonna tour? Iron Maiden's, they're putting out records. I mean, they're not like my fucking cup of tea. But yeah. Their legions of fans don't seem to really mind. Yeah. You know, my point is like, go to these records. Let's pull these. What is he fucking touring on? Yeah. Down to Earth or back, back on Earth or fucking. I'm. Leaving Earth, if I have to listen to this record again, it's <laughs> fucking awful. It is. Like, I, the song gets me through. Yeah, that new metal song, if we remember. Uh, well, I've got to think of the track of that. He did delve into it. Soul Sucker? Yes. God almighty. Soul was... Sucker. Soul oh, Sucker. my God. That's the one. This I hate to end this. We're not going to end this podcast without... Building back up from this because we can't. He has not had a note. We're of gonna music. have to end on on a good note. Yeah, this but is for a little abysmal. bit. It's be a shit. This is abysmal. I, we have to get past this before we fucking continue because this a whole rest of his career musically is an abortion. Oh, down to earth is trash. Down to earth. That's right. Down to earth is absolute fucking crap. I remember after Osmosis when Down to Earth came out, it seemed it was so generic. Like it, there was just. I was like, why? Why don't you just retire now? And Here then Black Rain is 2007. This is in the height of all that. Uh, and let me just say this. Was, yeah. The biggest reason why the last two albums, Black Black Rain and Scream, the re- the biggest reason why they suck is this Kevin Churko fuck suck that fucking made these albums literally sound like they were a fucking corn record. Okay. Yeah, there's too much modern. I, who? Nobody wants modern shit. It, what's funny is you could make the argument that that started with Ultimate Sin, where he really. It sounds like an album from 1986. It's just that that production in 1986 was awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, he's been kind of following the metal wind mm-hmm. production wise since the mid 80s. Yeah. It's just that nobody's informed him that, hey, your fans don't want to listen to this modern no. product. I, it, you know, go the back. People are in his ear, no. namely his goofy wife, who I think 
Which every time they bring the Ozfest on, there's people in Ozzy's ear like, this is what's happening in metal. This is what's popular with metal. And it's like, it's not the right thing to be telling. Well, he had, let's say no more tears. He had like an absolutely robust fucking production team, an engineer team. And, you know, Michael Michael Wagner mixing, Bob Ludwig doing some of the mixing, Dwayne Barron, John Perdell. Um, these guys are seasoned vets, and that is why that album sounds as good as it did, and or as good as it does still. Um, everything else that he's done, to me, it, it's just... A, a, a who's who of who the fuck is that and I cannot get into the band is fine Robert Trujillo Mike Borden on drums um, on in Zach Wild you know on down to earth uh, Zach being back in the fold uh, after Joe Holmes leaves um, Black Rain being you know now you got Blasco uh, Rob Nicholson on bass uh, who was also in, if I remember right, I think it was uh, Cryptic Slaughter that he was in. Um, fucking killer band, by the way. Cryptic Slaughter, check them out. Uh, but there was something about it. Again, a who's who of who the fuck is producing this album. Kevin Churko? Who the fuck is Kevin Churko? Talking about a guy that produces five-finger fucking that's what I'm saying. At the it's shit punch. And he's this, he he's he's in Sharon's mind, and in the mind of he's still an Electra, right, Ozzy? What's that? Ozzy's still an Electra, right? If I'm not yeah, mistaken. I'm pretty sure. I mean, epic. It, people are in his it's ear, like, telling him that this is what's going on in in metal. Mm-hmm. I, I there's no context. I I think that you know, which is messed up to me is around. The '90s with Zach too, and that in that around that no more tears. We're kind of, they were kind of teasing the Sabbath reunion with Geezer coming back kind of yeah. the fold, and then Sabbath we're passing over the fact that we there's that Sabbath record that they did, um, what thirteen or yeah, which come and then before that they had the reunion, yeah, um, and they still, did one small reunion still, I think in the '80s, yeah, mid '80s. So nobody's kind of. Even in Ozzy's ear, like, this is what's going on sonically mm-hmm. to push it. And with Black Sabbath, they've always kind of managed to kind of keep that cla- somewhat, that classic sound. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing with these Ozzy records, he's trying to push it to a younger audience. I, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know who the market is for these records. That's what I'm saying. Who is the target audience for Down to Earth? Uh... It ain't me. Yeah, the That's hot topic what, crowd because uh, I don't know who the fuck he's not pulling in old fans. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um that's to me getting the producer on these last the producers or you know, especially Kevin fucking Cherko, is like when crew did Generation yeah, Swine. Say, yeah, it's a perfect example. And they got the Scott Humphrey freak show that literally made them sound awful. Like prodigy, yeah, <laughs> it was terrible. It was stupid, <laughs> fucking prodigy. It was dumb. It was. It was. Nobody wanted. No younger. Nobody kid. wanted it, and it bombed. Yeah, nobody. No younger kid wants to listen to an Ozzy record. The fucking thing that pisses me off is, you know, with 
Black Rain and Scream, they still sold a lot. You know, Black Rain actually charted, I think, higher than Ultimate Sin in its first week or some shit. Um, that was mind-blowing to me, but in Scream also has a new guitar player. Now, Zach back in the band now on their, you know, on this last tour, um, but this was Gus G., uh, Greek guitar player who was in, you know, Firewind. He's in a bunch of, you know, uh, more independent underground, Mystic Prophecy, Night Rage. I do like um, Night Rage. Yeah, the first Night Rage, first couple are really good. Firewind isn't bad. Um, I got a buddy of mine that literally fawns over this guy's guitar playing. And I'm telling you right now, there isn't anything this dude does that fucking wows me. I don't think the music really necessarily calls for it and that's what I think the problem is like I think Ozzy's always been we're talking about Ozzy solo and you know even going back to Sabbath Ozzy's always surrounded himself by massively great guitar players whether it's Iomi mm-hmm. uh, you know Randy Jake Zach even Bernie Torme yeah. who just recently passed away I think that without that powerful strong guitar player He's he suffers. Yeah, you know, we were talking about uh, you know no rest for the wicked. Yeah, you're talking about Zach Wild coming out of the woodwork, young kid, guns blazing. Mm-hmm. Talking about Jakey e. Lee in, in 1983, guns blazing. Randy, he also kind of found, at least after Iomi, like kind of relatively unknown players. Yeah, no, you're to right. Kind of really shine. Like now, I think he's kind of just reaching for guys that. You might already like or respect. Or he's know. just yeah. To me, he's like phoning it in. It's a good point because, and the people I think who are buying it, yeah, it might be charting high. It could be fans that are still phoning it in, like, hey, I like Ozzy. I'll buy whatever he's gonna do. You reach a point where it's like, hey, I, I like, I'm, I'm in it to win it with Ozzy. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I, I I remember reading a lot of older articles and talking to a lot of you know metal fans that are older than me, and it was always exciting when one of the older guitar players was out of the band, who the new one. Who's he going to pick? Yeah. Who's the new guy going to be? Now, on these last three albums, it's like, you don't get that feeling anymore. You know it's probably going to be fucking Zach. You know what I mean? Now it's like, what shitty fucking producer is, is he going to get on this album? Yeah. And, and he's just going to phone it in. I have a problem with. I think that it doesn't matter if you have, you know, fucking Ace Fraley on this record. It's, it's, it's oh, produced no. by somebody who's going to ruin it. It's, you know, it doesn't really matter who's playing these are also, you know, these are just our opinions. If you guys like these records, tell us why. You know, we're not we're not the be all end all experts on this. Is just our opinion. We hate to, we hate to fucking be so negative towards this fucking part of the the show. But I mean, I just can't for the life of me. To me, there's nothing about these records that that give me the same vibe as early Ozzy. Certainly not anything that gives me a Sabbath vibe. No, nothing. Uh, there's nothing even in the same universe as a. Uh, Some people would say that about Osmosis on, sure. but you and I think that, and I can understand that, but I think you and I would agree that, that we do agree that there's, there's, Osmos, Osmosis is worth having, if you're an Aussie fan, it's worth having in your collection, because there's songs on it that are great. There's still at least a handful of tracks yeah. that you can at least say are quality songs. It Maybe really, they're a little different. It really isn't to like, you know, down to... I'll, I'll even concede my point. Osmosis is overproduced. 
It is. It is. It's overproduced. It, yeah, it's massively. And I it's, typically don't like records that sound like Osmosis. I mean, I'll sit here. Well, I'm sure we'll do a Metallica episode, mm-hmm. and I'll have to be, you know, held down while I scream about Bob Rock <laughs> and how he ruins bands. But well, Bob Rock's a great hard rock producer. Yeah. He's not a heavy metal guy. Right, and I think that Osmosis, for some reason, doesn't bother me. That it's so. Dude, if you listen to the, the drum, it's so loud. Yeah. It's like so bombastic, you know, the production, whereas No More Tears was like perfectly produced. Um, but I, I don't have a problem with people if they don't like osmosis. If they're like, to me, where I get weird is the whole No More Tears is where I stop. Or, or No Rest for the Wicked, just no more, everything after. That's where, I, that's where with Jay, I'm like, dude, what the fuck? You know, because No More Tears to me, it's something I can't, Understand, it's such a classic Ozzy album, and to me, it's the last truly perfect and great Ozzy album. Yeah. Osmosis is not a, a great album. No, it's good. No, but I think No More Tears is the. I agree with you. The There's last a lot of great one. songs on Os- on Osmosis, which is just kind of a serviceable album. Yeah, it's just you know, down to earth. On, get the fuck I out mean, of I here. I can't with any of these. I, I have no saving grace. No. There's not. There's not one song that I would pick in this No More Tours 2 that he came out with, which I don't know everyone that was asked. I know that I think Jake was asked. Um, I think he alluded to it. Uh, 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 Jake did mention that there was, I think, a, a an, an olive branch for him to maybe come and do a, a song or two. But all I know is that Zach said that it, he wasn't even the first choice. He was like the third or fourth choice, which is weird. I never, you know, it's funny with with Zach Wilds always. Zach Wilds always seem to treat. He always refers to Ozzy as boss. Always kind of treated it like just as a gig. Yeah, nothing ever more. I boss think, man, yeah, sharing his think, mom. I think that he's kind of just like, if you want me cool, I'll come and, and jam. Mm-hmm. I think Zach bought in hook, line, and sinker that I'm. Not in Ozzy's band as a writer or member or creator. It's something I can use as a resume builder. Yeah. To help build my own career. And he doesn't really need it now. In a way, I that's kind of why he's always managed to kind of have a good rapport with them because he kind of just treats it, I think, the way they want people to treat playing with Ozzy, where it's you take it for what you can, take the experience, and then do whatever you want to do. You know, well, I think the going back whereas to... Whereas Jake, I think, wanted to kind of be a member. That's... It's weird. Going back to... Um, with Ozzy, or if we talk about Danzig, or Bon Jovi, Alice Cooper, Dio, where you have... Whip Striker. I'm kidding. <laughs> Whip Striker. <laughs> Shit fucker. Great band. We're both great bands. Go <laughs> but when you talk about where you have a lead that is the focal point, and it was supposed to be kind of a revolving door, but they started out with a lot of these members, like with Danzig, first four albums, yeah. same band. Bon Jovi, the first several albums, the same band. If it works, it works. With Dio, it was the first two. Um, you know, with Vivian Campbell and uh, was it Jimmy Bain? Kiss kind of inadvertently had that going on for a while. <laughs> yeah, but I think it gets to a point where these guys they don't realize that all they are is just hired hands. Sure. And 
they thought that it was something more than that. And then with Ozzy, it seemed like Zach was the only one that kind of was comfortable with, I'm just a hired hand. Yeah. And so he did something else. Not to say that Jake didn't, because he had Badlands, yeah, you nice. know. Um, and he does his own stuff now, which I I can't get into it. Um, that Red Dragon cartel. I love Red Dragon cartel. You don't like Red Dragon cartel? No, there's only one reason I don't like it. It's because that fucking awful singer. That dude sucks really? so bad. He's the drummer in Harem Scarum, like this legendary, you oh, know, Canadian hard rock band, which that, is great. that bad. I think he's fucking horrible. I mean, he's no, you know, I mean, come on, compared to Badlands, I mean, that's like... I mean, look what you're comparing it to. I mean, that's a different... Well, different Ray, Ray conversation for... Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, we will. Yeah. Talk about Ray Gillen. Yeah. I will get into that when we talk about Sabbath, too, and the right. whole Ray Gillen connection, but... Um, I mean, don't sleep. You should, I feel bad for the people that slept with him, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's... <laughs> but... Yeah, I don't know. I think that Zach seemed to be the one guy that was just kind of content with just being, you know, even for somebody that when he was like, I wasn't even the, I was like the third or fourth person he asked to come back on this final. He tour. was not really even the first choice when he got, when he got in in the first place. Yeah, like that's the, that's so, the messed up thing about Zach is for a lot of people really been a yeah for a lot of people with egos they would have been like oh fuck you but Zach especially on this last tour was like all right yeah I'll do it because who is he without having Ozzy's. I mean, nobody. I, and the funny thing is, I mean, I love Jakey e. Lee. I love Badlands. I, mean, I love Red Dragon. But who is Jakey e. Lee without playing in Ozzy's band? Mm-hmm. We know who the fuck Randy Rose is without playing in Ozzy's band. He's the guy who made two of the most awful albums <laughs> I've ever happened in life. Yeah. So, no. I mean, you have to kind of look at. And Jake, I'm not saying it gives Sharon and Ozzy the right to have treated people they've worked with over the years the way they have. It does not. And no, I mean, listening to. Jake and interviews I think it was Eddie Trunk show where he really revealed all that the first time it's sad to listen to you know it's sad to hear those kind of stories of guys that get you know treated that way but also if you think about there's so many stories like that in the music business with acts mm-hmm. so it's easy to stigmatize Sharon as you know being I also think Sharon's if Sharon Osbourne would have never they had never done the Osbournes on TV if she wasn't on The View and wasn't this, like, outward celebrity, mm-hmm. most of these stories about her, people might be like, that's kind of messed up, but that's eh, the business. It's mm-hmm. messed up. I think people don't like her for other reasons, and it's just the thing she's done with Ozzy kind of just, it's like gasoline on a fire, you know? I mean, look, I'll give her all the credit. I mean, she's, again, astute. She's cutthroat. She's kept him alive after all these years, and, and she's and certainly successful. Yeah, um, I mean, we're still talking about Ozzy. Fifty years later, you know what I mean, and in part for I'd say forty of those years, yeah, it's because of Sharon Osbourne. This is a guy who mainly. I'm pretty sure when they kicked him out of Sabbath, a lot of people in the music business didn't give this guy a Chinaman's chance in hell no. of, of of having any kind of success. A because his vocals, I mean, this wasn't Robert Plant. You know what I'm saying? Like, we like Ozzy's vocals, but he ain't fucking Pavarotti. Yeah. You know? And two, because he's not the sharpest guy in the world. Well, think about know? how many times he's he's just like a habitual fuck-up. And how many times is she going to pull him out of that, out of the depths? You know and what I mean? He had a situation where he cheated, right? Which is hysterical. I, one, of the, one of the few celebrity... 
uh, scandal things that we're going to is when he's so stupid. He like got like, caught like walking in the chick's house or something. Oh my and god! And she like followed him. It was he's. <laughs> I know we're shit on the Osbournes, and I, I mean, but it, the Osbournes did have its. It entertained a, a large portion of the public. I mean, it was a, a successful show. The thing that is, I think it entertained people who weren't Aussie fans, and that sure. was the problem. I think that was the point in a weird yeah. way, you know. And um, for me, reading Aussie's book, I Am Aussie, reading Rudy Sarzo's book, Off the Rails. Which you let me borrow, which is where I get a lot of my great. And that was yeah. my, that's one of my favorite hard rock Especially books. Especially like verbatim. Yeah. Story. Well, but we, Kip and I always joke, Rudy Sarzo, who's a great guy, quite phenomenal wide, bass player, great man. bass player, and, and a really great class act. Um, Rudy, his book is great, and there's a lot of good stuff in there. Oh yeah, great. But he he, you question the authenticity. He like verbatim details conversations between him and Rand, <laughs> Randy Rhodes, who, and it's like. Hey Rand, when are we gonna go to the store today? And get, he like recounts these like conversations, <laughs> yeah. and it's so ridiculous. But yeah, it's other like, than that, it's a great, great book. I mean, it happened you know forty years ago when yeah. you were like hopped up on coke, but <laughs> I'm sure you remember everything right. that happened at the time. But no, it is a great. It's it's like chock full of, of info. I want to read Bob Daisley's. I want to get their take. I think that the no con- lube. My story with Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> That's, What's the hit? It's like no lube of my story in the Aussie. Yeah. <laughs> Constantly getting fucked. Poor Bob. No lube. I mean, yeah, it's just. It was like. The common denominator is Sharon. No matter what it was, it was always Sharon as a fucking vile human being, and it always comes back to her. Even Randy, or uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Rudy in his book talks about how terrible she is you know and so I, I don't know man this this dude has literally you talk about a cat having nine lives this dude has had so many different chances and just seemingly comes out of every single one of them to get another one and I, I will give her credit that I think it's her but I guess what I'm going at here is really the bottom line is this motherfucker should have retired 27 years ago and left it at that. Um, you know, the only thing, too, with Ozzy is despite the records maybe not being good, and again, you know, some of the phantom performers behind the curtain for that for that tour, Ozzy still, as a performer, it's it's better than, I, I'll say this flat out, it's better than Kiss. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, yeah. It's, you know, Kiss went out on the saddest note I think a band has ever or will ever go out on, in my opinion. Yeah. I think Ozzy's at a... He's teetering. I think if he goes out now, he's saving a lot of face. Look, when when Freddie Mercury, it, like, AIDS is rotting his asshole out and the dude is, like, dying and he's still singing... Yeah. Okay, well, singing well, singing well, and then you have somebody like Paul Stanley, who's like they're just all lip syncing and using backing tracks, and it's sad. And I don't know. I'm sure Ozzy's doing the same, but when I watch the live stuff and his voice is cracking and he doesn't really have it as much as he did, I'd rather see that 
because I'd rather see him out there trying. I think that this is what he was born to do, mm-hmm. as cliched as that sounds. And he's he's a performer. He's a, His showmanship is like he loves being on stage. And for all of his goofiness and his bullshit, the guy can really get people excited still He's to still this day. He's still a great showman. Even though this last tour, the fucking opening band, I could have... Oh, my God. Stone Sour. Yeah, You're I, going I, out on your fucking retirement tour and you get Stone fucking Sour to open. I Again, Ugh. that's part of that demographic of, like, you know... I don't even understand why Ozzy even needs an opening act. Yeah. I, it, there's just not a... Oh, it should have been just an an evening with, yeah. like Alice Cooper does that, and or the Kiss has done that an evening with Kiss. Yeah, you know, fine, do that. We don't need to see anybody else. It's about you. It's about you retiring. Who's really going to Ozzy's last show and being like, "Well, I got to make sure I can get it early because I want to see the guy from Slipknot sing sappy songs, sing Nickelback songs." Right. But I mean, yeah, I think that it's been uh, it's been good. I don't know if we uh. Have anything else? There might be a part two of this. Because um, we might do just Sabbath. Um, down oh, no, the line. it's going to have to be just Sabbath. Um, I don't speaking think... of other classic metal metal news, we do have new, uh, we do have new Merciful Fate. And oh my God. we decided that the next uh, episode we do, we're doing King. We should, and, yeah, King and Merciful. King and Merciful Fate. We're going to do that the, whole, goes... the whole trajectory. We're doing all these. It's kind of a trend we have these last couple of, these last few. We're doing like history of some of our mm-hmm. our favorites. And we're going to, I think that's a good way. This will be our trilogy. We did Danzig, you know, we did Ozzy. Mm-hmm. I think our last part of the Soul Trilogy for a while, before we go back to maybe some regular, we're going to do King Diamond, Merciful Fate. Yeah. All the way through. So we'll have some polls up, other stuff going on. All things Merciful Fate and King Diamond, if that's not your thing. Uh, I am going to... off and don't like our podcast because you're <laughs> a complete pussy, so... No, we are going to... I I will put up that Shot in the Dark, the alternate, the original version. Yeah. We'll put that up for people to hear because I know there's some people who probably don't... They've never even heard of that. Um, and, you know, I, I think that we should also uh, put something up about, you know, who's your favorite Aussie guitar player. Yeah. And kind of pit some people together. But yeah, man, I'm I'm kinda of stoked for this next uh this next episode. Um probably get Jay involved. I know he couldn't make it tonight. He's kinda of, he has a death in the family, so we kinda, of, you know, positive vibes going to him. Um sorry he couldn't make it, but uh we should get Mike in here. Definitely. You fucking pussy, get on the fucking show. <laughs> Call him out. <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, we're gonna get other people involved that are you know um i don't know i'm i'm really excited i'm I'm excited to talk about this new tour i'm excited i really hope king diamond he didn't come to cleveland before he came to pittsburgh twice and i went and saw him twice and it was they were two of the best shows hopefully i've ever there, seen hopefully there's gonna be a cleveland date hopefully and i'll talk i'll talk about when i saw merciful fate on the nine tour oh fantastic co-headline with nevermore hell yeah it's fucking awesome. But yeah, man. Um, again, appreciate everybody listening yeah. in and All right. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. <laughs>